Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, where we seek to equip the church to understand and live out its faith. I'm your host, Stephen Dew. I'm the preaching pastor at South Caraway Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We want to thank you for joining us today, and let's get right to today's episode. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining the Doctrine Matters podcast here today. I'm your host, as you heard in the opening credits, Stephen Dew, and I'm thankful that you are here listening, and we are just going to continue to talk about some things, and I just want to know, have you ever really just longed for Jesus to come back and for this whole thing to be made new? I mean, everywhere we look recently, there's just been something new. Every single day, it seems like, something new comes across our social media feeds or the news on television or we hear some bad news from somebody else and and things just keep adding up on top of one another and it just seems to be like sometimes it can be so much that weighs on top of us that we just long for the day that we go home. I believe that the life of a believer, this, this happens because the Bible teaches us that creation longs itself. Uh, So we should, as believers, long for Jesus to come back and where we are with the Savior for all of eternity. There are so many things that have just taken place over the past few days. Just this week, there have been one thing after another, and it's just some of those things just keep piling up and piling up, and we wonder how much longer is this going to last? I mean, how much longer until God sends his son back to, to get his people and makes this whole thing right, makes it all thing, makes it all new. Uh, some of the things that have been happening in our world recently is we've talked about John MacArthur, we've talked about his church, and we're not going to get into the ins and outs of that, and we've talked about how the city took away the, uh, the lease that they had there for the parking lot, and just recently today I saw that now they have the city, or county rather, has fined this church $1,000 for not having the proper COVID-19 signs and had not had the right signs posted. I mean, what else are they trying to do? This is just clearly out of spite. They're trying to do everything they can simply because they're meeting in person every Sunday, week in and week out. There's another church in California facing upwards of $60,000 plus in fines for continuing to gather as the church there's all of these things going on in our world with the the Democrats and the Republicans, and we're in a an election year, and there's no there's no way around seeing the things that are going on around that. I mean, we see the riots that have been happening, we see the murders that have been happening in the streets, we see the looting, the stealing, uh, we see all these things. There's uh, if you've been living in a in a rock under a rock, not in a rock. I guess you could live in a rock. Maybe that's a cave. I don't know. But if you've been living under a rock, then you haven't seen any of this. But it's easy for us to see this because it's everywhere we look on social media, on TV, on tele, uh, or on uh, the news channels. It's everywhere. So we see these riots, these lootings, these fires that are burning. And and here's something else that has come out now. It said that if Donald Trump wins the election then there are more than 50 groups on the left that are fully prepared to go into cities and destroy them. Now, after what I've seen happen across our country with looting and the burning of cities and murders and all these things, I have no reason not to believe that. 
I believe that if Donald Trump wins this election, I believe after we've already heard Kamala Harris say that they should not stop doing what they're doing. She is condoning the behavior of those rioters and looters from the left. And if we don't see a Joe Biden win, we can expect, I believe, as we have seen and heard, that this stuff will just continue on. And one wonders, how much more can we take? How much more can we endure? And then I see things like a pastor that uh, and his team that prayed against a uh, homosexuality gathering uh, or parade or, or some sorts, whatever they had going on. Um, then he thanked God for canceling the event, and he has faced a lot of backlash from media, from the LGBTQ community, and, and faced uh, threats of violence because he simply believes the Bible and believes that homosexuality is a sin. And I, I stand in agreement with him that homosexuality absolutely 100% is a sin, and there is no such thing as a gay Christian. I have no problem saying that. Now, does God save those that are gay? Absolutely. But one must not stay in that lifestyle. One has to come out of that lifestyle because it is unbiblical to remain a homosexual if you are a Christian and have been born again. And a born-again believer, true believer, that knows God's word, that loves God's word, that cares about God's word, will come out of that lifestyle. It's happened uh, many times before, and it will continue to happen until Jesus comes back. So this pastor is facing threats of violence, violence to his church, simply because he prayed against the LGBTQ uh, Rainbow Pride Festival that was supposed to take place. It was canceled, and now he's facing these threats. I mean, it's just something on top of the other. And, and, and another thing, this month is Suicide Awareness Month. And just a couple of nights ago, I saw a friend of mine on Facebook from where I live back in North Mississippi share with us on his Facebook account that Facebook is really frustrating. Facebook is really quick to take off something political that goes against what they believe they will shut your post down. They'll take your video off. But apparently, and I, I say apparently, I know this happened. One of his friends there in North Mississippi was on a Facebook Live, and many of you have probably heard this story already. It's a tragic story. He was on a Facebook Live for a little while, and um, he was depressed, and he was an, Ar I think, Army vet. Either way, he was a veteran, uh, and he was... Man, just what we would say down on his luck, I guess. Um, I think a girlfriend broke up with him, was potentially going to lose his home, uh, PTSD, and just some other things that have happened in his life. Uh, just tragic thing that happened. He was sitting on the phone, and then he hangs up the phone and immediately takes his own life right there on Facebook Live. And Facebook, after many people had reported this video to get it off, it just stayed up there for, I think, three more hours, and people were able to go back and record him taking his own life. And then from there, it got put out all over social media, TikTok being one big thing. And let me just say something about TikTok real quick. 
I know I don't talk about social media a lot other than what we see on social media, but if you're a parent and your child has TikTok, I would say delete that off their phone immediately. No child needs TikTok, and I would dare say that no adult needs TikTok either because there's just a, a bunch of just negative stuff on TikTok. There's a bunch of things that kids can get into and see that they don't need to see. And unfortunately, the video of this man taking his own life made it all over TikTok and made it on the For You page to where so many people have seen this video. And I can tell you this, it is very, very disturbing. There are images in that video that you will not forget anytime soon. And it makes you just heartbroken that someone would take their own life. And and then not only that, it be on social media and making the rounds for hours and hours and days and days afterwards until finally, I think, I think they finally got the video down from being circulated. And it is just a, a terrible thing to see someone take their own life. And you see all these things combined and you just wonder how much longer can, can, can this place last? How much longer will the Lord endure? Well, not really endure. How much longer will he let people live in their sin before he either judges or sends his son back to come get his people. I see all of these things happening in our world, and I, I can't help but go to one passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that kind of sums up everything that we've been going through here as a country, and it just says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 9, says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I talked in a couple episodes back about justice and how people want justice, and rightfully so, we should seek some form of justice when we or a loved one or someone is wronged on our on this side of eternity. But ultimately, God is the one that dishes out the judgment. The justice will come from the Lord. And while we are seeking to get justice on this side of eternity, when it doesn't happen, we see people up in arms, we see rioting, we see looting, we see all of these things take place. And it is a result of what 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says, starting in verse 9, is this is an act of unrighteousness. I, I, I may get into trouble saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. But I don't think you can be a true believer in Jesus Christ and kick in a business window and set fire to a business and hit people and push people that don't agree with you and, and riot and loot in the streets of a city just because you're seeking justice with a group of people. I don't think a true believer can do that in good conscience. So here we see a result of all of this stuff happening in our world. We see sin at the center. Now, we think about the homosexuality thing and the, the, the this is a hot button issue and it has been for years and I don't this this is going to be a hot button issue until Jesus comes back and the unfortunate thing is the LGBTQ community seems to be gaining more and more ground over the b- biblical worldview in churches and Christians and they can't even speak out against this sin from a biblical perspective without getting threats of violence. Now, many of us remember the Westboro Baptist Church group. I don't even know if they're still in attendance or attendance or even a, a thing anymore, but they were very hateful and rude and mean and sinful themselves when it comes to the LGBT community. But 
Here we have a pastor that is just praising God for canceling this and saying why it should be canceled because homosexuality is an abomination. And if you were listening to this passage, you know that homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God because you cannot be a homosexual and be a Christian. That's unrighteous, and the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom. So God here is going to dish out the judgment. He's going to get justice. So we, on the other hand, it says some of us have been washed. We've been sanctified. We've been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God, the ones that have been truly justified and saved by grace through faith. We are the ones that are sitting here wondering how much more of this God is going to take before he does something to this place in judgment, or he sends his son back to get his children and makes this all thing new, this whole thing new. And the ones that are that are truly at peace with God and, and have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we cannot sit back and condone the behavior of this rioting and looting and the LGBTQ and all of these other things that are happening in our world. We can't condone suicide. Unfortunately, we have to sit back and endure it, but we can't. We don't have to just endure it. We can be on the front lines. We can be preaching the gospel daily, proclaiming the gospel. This is a challenge that I put out to you, I feel like, weekly, is to go out and preach the gospel, preach Christ and Christ crucified, because this world needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's nothing else that this world needs to hear. There's no other message. It's just Christ and Christ crucified, and this world needs to hear it. Because we have been justified, we've been sanctified, and one day we'll be glorified. We want to see other people be that too, so we have to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know what? If that means that we're going to take threats of violence, if we're going to be kicked, pushed, hit, slapped, uh, spit upon, then so be it. The Bible teaches us that we will suffer the way Christ suffered if we indeed want to live a godly life in Christ. So we, we need to think about these things, not just sit back and wonder how much more we can take, but let's continually, boldly preaching the gospel to our friends, our coworkers, our families, anybody and everybody that God brings into our life, we, we, we seek those opportunities to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, one thing that I want to piggyback off of, and I don't want to be insensitive, uh, but the young man that took his own life a couple of nights ago there was a Facebook post of his that said something to the, to the effect of, uh, well, I, I tell you what, let, let me just pull it up. I, I, I hope you guys hear my heart here. I don't want to come across as insensitive, but I think this is important when we think from a biblical worldview and biblical perspectives, especially when we talk about LGBTQ and anyone that is in that, that lifestyle can't profess to be a believer uh, they can, but that doesn't mean they are a believer because, as I mentioned, I don't, I don't believe you can be a true believer in Jesus Christ and live in that homosexual lifestyle. But unfortunately, there was plenty of posts of sharing his church's um, live streams and all of these things. And then there was a post that this young man made, and it's, it's heartbreaking so all the way around because we are broken that he took his life and kind of kind of broken over what was said here. And it says, A church that preaches the exclusion of anyone from grace. And there's a qualifier. He says, Exclusion of anyone from grace. For any reason, and he lists race, marital status, sexuality, gender identity, 
past deeds, addictions, etc., is no church at all. Okay, I can get with this on a couple of levels. Race, yes, there is no one excluded from God's saving grace, regardless of the color of their skin. Marital status, absolutely. God can save single and married people. Sexuality, yes, male or female. He can save both and does save both. But here is a kicker. When you talk about sexuality, that is not just what sex you are. Now, we talk about sexuality. We're talking about whether they are LGBTQ, whether they are straight, whether uh, they're what they prefer sexually. So basically what this is saying is if someone is a homosexual, a church that preaches that they will be excluded from God's grace is, yes, A, that is true because God does save people out of homosexuality. He does do that. Now, this is the, the link where I see this, and it's, it's troubling because he, he also adds gender identity. So basically he's saying people that are male but prefer to be female, transgenders, they can be saved. Yes, they can be saved, but I, I think if we're reading what he's saying here is that lesbians, homosexuals, uh, transgenders, all, all these types of things that we're dealing with in our world right now, they can be Christians, basically inclusive churches. Churches that exclude them from grace is no church at all, he says. What he is saying here is that churches should be inclusive when it comes to LGBTQ, transgender, all of these things, uh, the gender-neutral pronouns, whatever. You run the gamut on this thing. This is what he is talking about, is all of these people should be able to come under the umbrella of the church and still be considered Christians. Well, let me just say this. This is why linking these couple of things together with the fact that he took his life is... And listen, this is where I don't want to be insensitive, but I think it's important for us to understand that the world we're living in, churches that are inclusive and allow homosexuality or homosexuals, excuse me, or allow transgenders to remain in their congregation all the while professing to be Christians, I would say that is no biblical church or a church at all. So I hope you're following the link here or my thought process it seems as though this guy was in one of these churches that preached inclusion and allowed homosexuals in attendance and allowed homosexuals to profess Christianity, allowed transgenders and those that uh, professed any other gender other than male or female, uh, allowed those people in here in the church to remain and profess Christianity. So it seems like this young man was not affiliated with a true biblical church. And if you link the two together, it is saddening to me that we spend so much time in churches in America trying to be inclusive without preaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ and discipling these believers. Now, I don't know if he had some mentor in his life. I don't know if he had some sort of... um, pastor that was pouring into him, I can only imagine after a post like this that there was a lot of false teaching taking place, and I'm heartbroken because the link there, if this, if this young man would have been in a true Bible 
teaching, believing, gospel proclaiming church that held to the the scriptures, right? That held to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality. It says that, goes on to say that they won't inherit the kingdom of God. So if God won't let them in because they are unrighteous and living in unrepentant, unconfessed sin, they have not been saved by grace through faith, and a church allows them to stay, that church is brainwashing people, in my opinion, and it is not helping the members of that congregation. It's not pouring in the truth to the members of that congregation. And then you find young men and women that are sitting at a desk and they're at the end of their rope and they have no hope because the hope that the church has given them is a false hope that is not a godly hope, that is unbiblical. So there is no hope at all, essentially. And the link is there, and then it leads to this suicide potentially because there's no substance from the church itself other than unbiblical jargon to try to be relevant in a culture that God has not called us to be relevant in. Um, I just have been thinking about this ever since I heard of this and I kind of saw this stuff come out and it's just broken my heart and it made me think we are living in such a broken, fallen world that we don't sometimes see the struggles that people are dealing with. We see the struggles some people deal with. We see the struggles that are going on in other cities. We see the the riots and the looting and uh, the back and forth, and, and we see weird Twitter exchanges between Cardi B and Candace Owens. I mean, Cardi B is trying to get into politics and put, put herself... We see all these crazy things, and then we bring it down to people that we don't really know what's going on behind their eyes. I mean... It's so much weighing on us at one time in this world that we want to kind of tuck into our little uh, our shells and we don't want to deal with other people's issues. But let me tell you something. We need to be a people, a, a gospel-believing, Bible-believing, Christ-exalting, God-glorifying people that will do more than just look at somebody's social media and think, well, they got it all together. They're doing well. Or to see them in person and say, hey, how you doing? And they say, I'm good. When 99.9% of the people you ask that question to are going to say, I'm good, I'm doing pretty good. When really, a lot of people really are not doing good at all. So we need to, even though we are hard-pressed from every angle, everything in this world is just one thing after another. We see something about the coronavirus. We see something about the Democratic Party. We see something about riots and looting. We see something about fires. We see something about all these other things. We see something about suicide. We see churches that are promoting the LGBTQ agenda. All of these things wear on us, but I got to be honest with you. We cannot miss the men and women in our lives that profess to be doing well, that profess to be doing good, but underneath it all, if we were to peel back the layers of this onion so to speak, we'll find that it's not as good as we thought it would be. So we have to be a people that don't just sit back and learn theology, that learn doctrine just for the sake of knowledge, just for uh, to, to, to win arguments. We have to be a people that take what we learn, take what we read in the Scriptures, and put it to use. We have got to put this to use for the glory of God. We cannot sit back in our little bubbles, watch the world burn, and then 
just pray for it to get better. We've got to put our feet to the ground. We've got to put our hands on the plow, and we've got to move forward. We have to move forward preaching the gospel, making disciples, checking on people, loving on people, caring about people, and making sure that the people that are in our lives, in our churches, the ones that are close to us, don't end up doing what this young man did and taking their own life. Churches, we got to make sure we're teaching the proper gospel. Paul tells us if anybody teaches another gospel, let them be accursed. That simply means go to hell. Let them go to hell because what they're doing is leading people astray with a false gospel. And I'm, I'm, I'm saddened that so many churches in America are teaching and promoting a false gospel that, G, that Paul says, let them be accursed. And when that happens, many people that are followers in that church will be led astray. It's like the blind leading the blind that the Bible talks about. So we have to be careful that we hold our churches accountable, that you hold your leadership accountable, that you go to them and tell them that they are preaching a false gospel. I've talked about this before. It matters. Doctrine matters. Theology matters. All of these things matter, but we kick them away and we create a God in our own hearts. We create a God that is uh, has to fit in with our emotions, our thoughts, our wants, our needs, and we fashion this God in our hearts the way we want to see God instead of the way the Bible teaches us who God is. We want to make our own little God that that we love, that's easy to love, that's easy to pull out of our pocket and just call upon whenever we need something. But when life gets real, when life hits the fan, that God that we fashioned and put in our pockets is not going to be of any help. We need the true God of the Bible being taught from pulpits by men that are convicted by the Spirit, that are passionate about the gospel, that are passionate about God's Word, and they're passionate about seeing people saved, and not only seeing people saved, but people being made disciples. People want to be discipled, and we have to be the ones that do it. I can't help but think about all of the men and women out there. Yes, we know, Romans one twenty that people suppress the truth and they live unrighteous, they live wickedly, there's none that are good. Romans 3, we see all these things. We know this. But we have to be people of the word if we're true believers. We have to teach it. We have to make disciples. We have to get in the nitty-gritty to help people because people need it. They need Christ more than ever. We need people that are willing to stand up and put in the work, do the things that God has commanded us to do as believers, and stop waiting on a pastor to do it, stop waiting on somebody else to do it. But we have been called to preach the gospel and make disciples to this lost and dying world. And we see this lost and dying world all around us every single day, one day after another. It's all stacking on top, and it's wearing us out. And I would say, I am ready for Jesus to come. But until then... We have to put our hands to the plow moving forward, and we have to be bold in the proclamation of the gospel, and we have to be bold, and we have to be making disciples. And we have to make sure we make time to do that. We have to be strategic. We have to, be, uh, we have to put it on our schedules, so to speak. We can't just neglect it and hope somebody else does it. But let's pour into the people around us. I've often heard it said that everybody needs a Paul and everybody needs a Timothy. Somebody pouring into them and you pouring into somebody else. We all need each other to get through this life. We can't live in a silo by ourselves. We have to live together. But one day, I am encouraged, although I'd love to see Jesus come back, I think about Paul. 
in the book of Philippians, it says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. For uh, if I stay, it will be beneficial for your account. Paul says, you know what? I'm ready to go home and be with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To die is gain. I inherit the kingdom. I inherit eternity. I inherit eternity with Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. I'll be glorified. That is what I long for, yet it would be better if I stayed here on your behalf because he's going to keep preaching the gospel and making disciples and bringing people along in their Christian walk. So I think the same way in our lives we should be, yes, if we died, if Jesus came back, it would be our gain. But until then, we need to be passionate and bold in preaching the Word of God and teaching the Word of God and not just put it off on pastors, but every believer has been called and commanded to proclaim the gospel and make disciples. I want to leave you with this encouraging word from the book of Revelation, and it is one that I I am thankful for and, again, looking forward to because there's just so much in our world weighing on us today. Many of you know this passage, and it is just a beautiful reminder of who God is. Revelation chapter 21, starting in verse 1, says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he'll be my son. And here's where we talked about at the beginning, verse 8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Folks, it's been said that if you're in Christ, you're a believer, you'll die once. You'll die a physical death, and that's all. But if you are unrighteous, if you are not a believer, you'll die twice. First a physical death and then a spiritual death and be cast into the lake of fire. Folks, we have to be bold in proclaiming the gospel to see people saved and knowing one day it's coming where all things will be made new. There'll be no more riots, no more fires, no more pain, no more sickness, sorrow, death, no more tears. It'll all be made new. God will be with his people and we will be with God. So until then, I want to challenge you. Check on your people. Disciple your people. Disciple those around you. Get in the lives of those around you. Check on them. See how they're really doing. Boldly preach the gospel, even when you're tired of everything that's happening in this world. Make disciples. Don't give up. Live for eternity. Be a Paul or be like Paul. Because you're not Paul, don't be, a, don't be a Paul, but be like Paul and say to live is Christ, 
to die is gain. Until you die or Jesus comes back, make it for somebody else's gain. Preach the gospel, make disciples, and don't give up hope because Christ is alive and he's coming back. He's alive and reigning right now. Folks, thank you for listening. I know this may have been a little heavier than normal, uh, but we have to be a people of the word and we have to do what God has called us to do. Until next time, God bless.